Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you? I am great, TW. Um, we just saw a tremendous game by the Falcons, one that yes. literally nobody would have predicted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We are back for a post-game podcast. We're going to talk about the Falcons' impressive, dominant win. Not just a, a win, a dominant win over the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in week 12 of the NFL season. They won this game 43-6. to Yes, they dropped a 40-burger on the uh, Raiders who came into this game at, I believe, 6-4. and four. Falcons came in at 3-7, and seven, so Atlanta moves to 4-7. and seven. The Raiders dropped to 6-5. and five. Uh, it was never really close. This was a, an impressive win by the Falcons, and it really came from both sides of the ball, although I think some people would argue correctly that the offense struggled for a good bit of the game. It was really the defense that I think that stood out the most in this one. They held the Raiders to just two field goals. They had some impressive stops including uh, one of the ones where they basically stopped them goal line to force them into the short field goal. Uh, They had several turnovers, I believe four turnovers on the game, uh, and they had 17 points off of those turnovers, including a pick six from Deion Jones, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, But this, to me, was a game about the Falcons just for the first time in a very long time, maybe going back to the last time they absolutely thrashed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back at home. And I think that was the 2013 season. Uh, I don't remember a beatdown of this sort in recent memory. So, Evan, what is one of your main takeaways from this game? Um, they kind of, you know, piggybacking off what you just said, they pretty much just bullied the Raiders, um, which, as I mentioned, nobody saw coming. I mean, the Raiders were 6-4 and four coming into this game, and – I think the Falcons were probably picked by very few uh, to actually be competitive. And they were, they were, I mean, they were across the board, the better team. Uh, Yeah, we'll get into the stats. So I don't want to give anything away, but they were, they outplayed the other team, which is something we haven't seen much this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, the way the Falcons got their first quarter, they uh, started off with a six to nothing lead. They uh, had to lean on Young Way Koo. We'll talk about him in a little bit. They expanded that lead to 16 to three uh, by the time they got into halftime. Uh, by the end of the third quarter, it, it was really starting to get away from the Raiders. Uh, at that point, the Falcons had, uh, let's see here, a 30 
to three lead. And of course, they expanded it finally to the 43 to six lead that ended up finishing out the game. Uh, What's funny is, you know, as we get into the stats from this game, uh, you'll see that really there's not a lot of guys that were dominant or impressive for the Falcons. Uh, it, it sort of was a well-rounded effort, and certainly we'll talk about that in a second. But I do want to talk about the injury situation coming in. For the Falcons coming in, they were missing two key players. And I think there are a lot of people that, to your point, Evan, that felt like the Falcons didn't really have much of a chance of winning because they were missing starting running back Todd Gurley mm-hmm. with the knee injury, um, which is troubling given his history of uh, arthritis in the knees uh, before. And of course, Julio Jones with the hamstring injury that re-aggravated in the Saints game last week, he also missed the game. So they were missing two key offensive players in this game. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who else uh, did not play for the Falcons and and was inactive for the game? Yeah, so for the Falcons inactives, obviously, as you mentioned, Julio Jones was not present as he's still dealing with that hamstring injury that's kind of lingered on Todd Gurley uh with that knee injury um it was kind of, it seemed like it was more of a matter of when not if because it seems like it flares up later in the season and it seems like it's flared up uh Quadri right. Allison was inactive he was dealing with an illness for much of the week I'm uh, not sure what that illness is but it's not COVID because he would obviously be on the COVID list so hope he gets better um Cornerback Tyler Hall was inactive, pretty much a healthy scratch, I would assume, because he's one of the guys who keeps popping up on it. Same with John Wetzel and Deidrin Sanat. Um, They're usually healthy and active. So that's the Falcons on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders side. Marcus Mariota was inactive. Jalen Richard <laughs> was inactive. John Simpson was inactive. Uh, Daniel Ross was inactive. And Cleveland Farrell was an active former first round pick for them. So. Yeah. And Farrell was actually one of their highest rated uh, defenders on that uh, defensive line. He's their best run stopper. Uh, even though he was, I think drafted really to be more of a pass rusher. Uh, certainly that probably contributed, but they didn't, you know, have a ton of injuries, maybe, you know, at least not in the same way that the Falcons did coming into this game. Um, so as far as injuries occurred that occurred during the game, uh, the Falcons did have a few and, uh, some of them ended up not being serious. Uh, a couple of them we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, who dropped what would have been a, a gorgeous touchdown pass from Matt Ryan early on in the game, suffered a toe injury in the first quarter. He ended up being ruled out by the time the third quarter came along. Um, Young Wei Koo, uh, his knee was injured uh, on a field goal attempt. Uh, in what ended up being a roughing the kicker call that extended the drive for the Falcons, a drive that ultimately ended up in a touchdown. Uh, so I'm sure the Raiders would want that playback. He did finish the game, however, and he finished it in spectacular style, as a matter of fact. Um, Calvin Ridley briefly went down with what looked like an ankle injury, but I think he was back in two plays later, so no concerns there. And the injury we're going to have to watch this week Starting left guard James Carpenter went down with a groin injury. He was carted off, which is never a good look. Um, so that one is a little bit concerning. Justin McCray ended up replacing him there. I know some people were asking why didn't uh, our backup center, uh, Matt Hennessy, who had been competing with him earlier in the year at left guard, get the snaps. And I believe Justin Butt of the AJC was saying that they've pretty much have him cemented in as the backup center now. 
again, presumably saving Hennessy for 2021, where he will presumably get the nod as the starting center, assuming that Alex Mack will not be back with the Falcons, given his age and the fact that his contract ends this year. Um, so the Falcons do have some injuries. Zacchaeus, Carpenter, we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, Koo and Ridley, their injuries did not appear to be serious, though, of course, we will monitor that through the week before the Saints game. So, Evan, let's talk about the stats and what the Falcons did offensively. Why don't you tell us uh, about some of the key numbers and how these guys played on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, so let's look at the top. Uh, Matt Ryan went 22 of 39 for 185 yards, two touchdowns, a interception for a passer rating of 75.3. Decent day for Ryan. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, you look at rushing, the run game was pretty evenly split. Um, no Todd Gurley. So it was pretty much Edo Smith, Brian Hill all day. Uh, Brian Hill had 13 carries for 55 yards, no touchdowns. And Edo Smith had 12 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, what's interesting about Brian Hill, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably already saw this, but Brian Hill, um, when he gets 10-plus carries in a game, the Falcons are 5-0. and <laughs> Like It's a stat that makes no sense because right. when, you, when you actually look at um, his attempts you know, that go over 10 yards, um, those games, like his yards per carry average is like 2.823. So it's really not having like a huge impact on the game at all, and it really didn't today either. But it's, you know, I mean... I don't know when he gets 10 plus, like that's a good sign. I think it's more of a sign to establish the run. Um, but, you know, do with it what you want. Uh, in the receiving game, Calvin Ridley uh, led the day. Obviously, no Julio Jones, as we mentioned, but Calvin Ridley had nine targets, caught six of the passes for 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, Hayden Hurst, who I believe had a goose egg uh, last week against the Saints. He yep. had four receptions for 48 yards, so he was the second uh, receiver for the Falcons. Uh, Russell Gage, three receptions, 34 yards. Um, I expected to see a little more Lamade Sakias today, and he only had one catch for 11 yards. Kind of surprising. Um, but Brandon Powell, uh, you know, the Falcons kick returner, actually made an offensive play. Had two receptions, four yards, and a touchdown. So that pretty much sums up the Falcons offense, and if you want to partner in, as you mentioned, Koo um, was was a big player today. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's talk about Koo. I think this is a good time to do it because he uh, clearly the Falcons were leaning on him early on in mm-hmm. the first half, the first quarter. They couldn't convert any of these drives in the touchdowns, so he he netted them two field goals. But he ended up finishing the day. I think it was either four for four or five for five, um, and uh, ended up setting a personal record with a 54-yarder at the end of the game. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what Koo did and, and help me get my stats right here. <laughs> yeah, so in the first quarter, um, this is Koo's kicks. He had a 38-yarder. Um, he then also had a 39-yarder. And then in the second quarter, he had a 30-yarder. Um, and then he had a 29-yarder in the fourth and also a 54-yarder, um, which was the last actual score of the game that pretty much put the game at 43-6. to six. Uh yeah, I mean, he's having a tremendous season, and I have to admit, because I've been one of the harsher critics of him in the past, mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, because he did struggle with, you know, long field goals uh, previously, but this year he's 
you know, having a Pro Bowl season, and he deserves to be the NFC's Pro Bowl kicker, even though yes, I'm pretty sure yes. I think I saw the game isn't actually going to happen uh, due to the pandemic and stuff. But, you know, that's an accolade he at least deserves to have attached yes. to his resume because he's doing tremendous. Um, but, yeah, kudos to him. He uh, The Falcons offense pretty much got him close enough uh, to – kick and that's what happened he made them all even though he did have as you mentioned he had a player roll into him and there was some talk of the knee and you know they kept showing it on tv him working out his knee and he still went out there and kept kicking you know so good yeah he uh, i think he deserves a ton of credit uh, and as you mentioned in my mind he absolutely deserves that pro bowl nod even if they don't play the game as you know as you said he at least deserves that uh, and it's really, when you think about it, it's quite remarkable that the Falcons were able to move from Matt Bryant, a brief pit stop with mm-hmm. Tavecchio, back to Matt Bryant, mm-hmm. uh, and then ultimately to Koo. Uh, the Falcons have had some pretty good luck with signing kickers, and I don't want to you know jinx anything, but Koo has been outstanding mm-hmm. this year. And I think, I may be getting this wrong, I believe they said he has now hit 21 straight field goals this year, which is uh, a fantastic stat for him and just shows that, uh, you know, he is one of the bright spots on this, you know, rather depressing season. Also, Pro Bowl voting is open. So if you are interested, you can go vote for him right now online. So, very good point. Yes. Uh, and definitely whoever do else you want, obviously. But yeah, he definitely deserves it. Yes, absolutely. Um, as for the Raiders' defense, uh, they, you know, with the, when the Falcons score forty plus, we're not going to give them too much credit. Uh, Jonathan Abram did get the one interception of Matt Ryan today. Uh, it looked like a ball that bounced out of the hands, or at least the shoulder pads, of Hayden Hurst and got tipped and ended up in Abram's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does get credit for that. I think it was Isaiah Johnson that actually ended up tipping it to Abram. Um, Nicholas Morrow got two pass deflections. Uh, Trayvon Mullen had two pass deflections. Uh, on the day, the Falcons did a much better job of protecting Matt Ryan in the pocket. Uh, linebacker Nick Kwiatoski was the only one to actually uh, get a sack on the day. Uh, so again, they kept him pretty clean. And in total, really, I don't think the Raiders' defense uh, was expecting what happened. And it's not even so much that the Falcons' offense was dominant. Um, I don't think that's really what happened. It it was a combination of them getting some really good field position uh, and just the, you know, not letting the Raiders get to Ryan and giving him enough time uh, in the pocket to, you know, get the ball out, to take some, uh, you know, some of the safe throws and, and to make the game, uh, come to him instead of him trying to force it. So and most importantly, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They, I mean, aside from that one Matt Ryan turnover, right. um, they were playing pretty well offensively. Uh, and when they did slow down in the red zone, it was enough for them to get a field goal. So, you know, yeah. they kind of went hand in hand with uh, young way Yeah, exactly. And I think this was, you know, when you look at uh, the, really the summary of this game, it's about the fact that uh, all three sides of the ball did their job. Yeah. The The Falcons' defense, I think, arguably played their best game 
maybe that we have ever seen in the Dan Quinn slash Raheem Morris era. I don't know that we've seen a, a defensive performance like this um, in a very long time. Uh, and I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting to see this kind of defensive performance again, um, <laughs> but it was, it was nice to see. Uh, and we're going to talk about what the Falcons defense did and what they did to the Raiders offense, which came in as one of the top, you know, like a top 10 offense uh, coming into this game with several weapons. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by my partner, Evan Birchfield. We are recapping the Falcons' dominant win over the Raiders, 43-6, to week 12 of the NFL season. Uh, we've already talked about what the Falcons' offense did in this game. Evan, I want to talk about what the Raiders' offense or didn't do really in this game. They came into this game, let's, let's be clear, they came into this game with a lot of really – Good weapons. Derek Carr has been playing an exceptional season. Mm -hmm. Darren Waller is one of the best um, receiving tight ends in the league right now. Nelson Aguilar has had a bounce back season after having, you know, really an up and down career in Philadelphia. And Josh Jacobs is one of the best young running backs in the league. Um, and yet, and then Henry Ruggs III, their first round draft pick, is he has phenomenal potential coming out of Alabama. Um, this is an offense that looked like on paper that they were going to tear the Falcons apart. In fact, I predicted that this was going to be a shootout because I just did not see that the Falcons defense could stop a Raiders offense that had all of these pieces in place. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about what they actually did offensively. So tell us about what the Raiders did uh, as far as the stats, QB, wide receiver, running back, etc. Yeah, so this is actually one of the worst uh, quarterback performances against the Falcons this year. Uh, even in games where the Falcons won, it seemed like the other team's quarterback um, played you know, fairly well. But Derek Carr had uh, 22 completions for 215 yards, an interception, and a passer rating of 70.1. Uh, Nathan Ooh. Peterman, who probably many people remember, um, throwing some interceptions in the past. Uh, he came in towards the end there. He went three for five for 25 yards. No, at that point, the game was over. He was just you know, right. playing, playing backup or whatever. Um, the big thing was Josh Jacobs, like literally was shut down, had seven carries for 27 yards. Um, the I've been saying it, and I know others have too, but the Falcons' uh, run defense has been playing pretty well. Um, against some great talent like I expected Josh Jacobs to at least get around 60 yards or more but I mean 27 yards like there's that they were a non-factor on the ground um, Hunter Renfro was their leading receiver he had seven receptions for 73 yards um, Ruggs had three receptions for 56 yards Nathan Algalore had five receptions for 54 yards and Darren Waller as you mentioned one of the better tight ends in the league you don't get a nickname like Waller the baller 
for being terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And he had four receptions, 23 yards. That's nothing, you know, tremendous. So, yeah, pretty much across the board, the Raiders' offense just failed. Yeah, uh, and some of it was the Raiders, but really – this was about what the Falcons defense did. And Mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time, it really felt like this was a game where the defense was the big, big factor in this win. It wasn't just that the Raiders were shooting themselves in the foot. Certainly there was a bit of that, but the Falcons were taking advantage. Um, Obviously Deion Jones had the one interception, 67 yards returned for a touchdown. And I even remember, you know, when it happened, a flag went out and, Everyone sort of assumed, oh, yeah, the Falcons are, you know, it's coming back and end up being a flag against the Raiders. And I think everyone was sort of, oh, wow, that actually counted. We, we got a, a pick six and it counted for once. Um, so, of course, you know, Debo with his incredible breakaway speed, there was no one close to him. Uh, fantastic play. Um, AJ Terrell, I thought, had a very good game as well. Um, he was fantastic in coverage. And ultimately, I think he is showing himself to be a true developing number one corner in this league. Um, the Falcons had several sacks on the day. Foyer Luicon had one. Steven Means had one. Uh, Jacob Tuoti Mariner had one, including recovering the sack and uh, recovering the fumble that came from the sack. So phenomenal play from Mariner in this game. He was uh, a big factor early on. John Kaminsky uh, ended up with one of the sacks, uh, and he actually, I believe, pressured – Derek Carr into the Deion Jones interception. And Kaminsky is somebody I think, you know, Falcons fans were keeping an eye on this year, thinking, okay, what is this guy going to do um, this year? Is he going to start to, you know, turn into that interior pass rusher? And I will say this we're starting to see him generate more and more interior pressure. He did it several times in this game. He did pull in a sack. Uh, so this is sort of the things that you look for when you're thinking about a new regime coming in and the players that are going to be a part of that new regime. And Kaminsky, I think, is starting to show a little bit. Uh, so a guy to pay attention to as we close out this season. Um, and then finally, uh, Tyler Davidson and Jalen Hawkins, the safety, they combined for a sack. Uh, they split that uh, with 0.5 each. Uh, ultimately, just a fantastic game across the board from the entire defense um, Denard means uh, Keanu Neal uh, was phenomenal in stopping and plays and shutting them down quickly. Deion Jones, even though he had the the interception, was phenomenal in stopping several plays short of the sticks. Uh, so again, just a complete all around effort from this defense that frankly we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, in those forced fumbles, uh, Leroy Reynolds got in on one of it. When you start to get plays from backup linebackers who are basically special teamers, you know the, ga- the game is really, really going well for you that day. Um, so forced fumbles, they have four on the day. Falcons defense had four turnovers. They recovered all the um, the forced fumbles. Uh, Foya Luakun had one. Uh, Mariner had one, as we mentioned earlier. Steven Means had one. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned just now, Leroy Reynolds had the fourth one. Uh, so again, completely dominant performance from this defense. I can't get over it because it's not something we've been able to say in recent years, Evan. It's it's really sort of stunning. And again, this isn't this was not the Jets. This was not um, you yeah. know a Browns team. This was a Las Vegas Raiders team that has gone uh, 
toe to toe this year and has beaten once they've split their two game series with the Kansas city chiefs. So, you know, I, I want to reemphasize this. These guys aren't chumps. Mm-hmm. They have legitimate playmakers on that offense. And we held them to six points, six points. Yeah. yeah I mean, the fewest they've scored before this was 16 against the Browns and they won that game. Um, I mean, yeah, they beat the they beat the Chiefs earlier in the season, putting up forty on them. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a Falcons kind of victory. I mean, didn't they beat the <laughs> Saints in Week Two? Like, uh, yeah, they did, thirty four to twenty four. I mean, I I don't know. I, like, and folks, also keep in mind. I know a lot of people are upset because of the draft pick thing, but. Me and DW has talked about it in the past. You don't want to be a team. You don't want your team to keep losing on purpose, um, which no. they wouldn't do anyways. But you don't want that that culture of being like, you know, I mean, I know the Browns are good now, but how they've had that stigma about being just a terrible place. Free agents don't want to go to losing teams. Um, the nope. Jets right now are probably the perfect example of that, where losing is, you know, normalcy form uh we don't want to be that but you know this is a good win enjoy it if you want be upset if you want regardless they beat a good team yep and you know for those who are worried about the falcons getting trade value out of certain players you need guys if you're thinking about hey they're gonna have to blow up the team they're gonna have to trade away those players you actually need those players to look good and uh, certainly the entire team looked good today. So think of it that way. If you're a player that wants to, if you're a, a fan, pardon me, that wants to look at this from the standpoint of what they're going to do for the future of this team, you need these guys to look good on the field or else they're not going to have trade value. They're not going to get picked up by another team. Um, so it, at the minimum, look at it this way. This was an audition for many players for other teams in 2021, uh, which can factor in into comp picks. It can factor in to you know potential trades and that's going to be a part of whatever this new regime uh, chooses to do with this team. Uh, they have to have some capital, and that means having guys play well in this season to show that they have value. A um, couple things I want to address before we close out this podcast for the week. Um, I don't know where this came from. Uh, it was, I think, in response to one of our writers, uh, Kevin Knight, uh, Kelsey from uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, mentioned that Dirk Cutter had, you know, his parents actually got death threats. Uh, presumably, I'm guessing within the context of, you know, us learning this, that they got those death threats because of what Dirk Cutter has been doing this year with the Falcons. And I want to say this, I am incredibly critical of Dirk Cutter. Most of us at thefalcoholic.com, in fact, I'll probably say all of us at thefalcoholic.com believe that he needs to go as offense coordinator. Um, I, even in this game where they scored 40 points, I do not think that he did a particularly good job. Uh, and I don't think he has done a good job at all for the entire season. That said, please don't ever let your disdain for a coach or for a player or for people in the front office or who work for the team ever devolve to the point of issuing death threats. It just means that you're a piece of shit human being and you're taking this sport way too seriously and you need to find something else to do with your life. Uh, these guys, this is their living. And yes, we can be 
critical and frustrated with what they are doing on the field, what they're doing in planning, what they're doing from a coaching standpoint. All of those criticisms are valid and we welcome them. The minute you cross that line though, uh, you have lost us. Please don't do it. It's stupid. It's immature. And you're a garbage human for doing it. Uh, I just want to put that out there mm -hmm. since that was addressed today on Twitter from through Kelsey. And I just want to put that uh, aside because we, as much as we love this game, folks, it should never result in that kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, also, what what do people expect your cutter to do? Like fire right. himself? That just right, it exactly. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's bad. Um, you shouldn't be doing sending death threats to anybody, regardless of what they're doing. But like, what did you want him to do? Fire himself? It's the whole thing just makes no sense. Like people, it's a yeah. game. Um, it's a game. Dirt Cutter can be bad, but also doesn't deserve death threats or his parents, whatever. Um, it's sad to hear. We're be everybody's better than this. Or we should be. We should be better than this. Strive to be. Yeah. Yep. Um, Evan, any last thoughts on this game before we uh, close out? Um, I guess enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like in the large scheme of things. Um, you know, we're not really playoff bound or anything. So, no. <laughs> but just like enjoy it. I mean, forty-three to six beating anybody forty-three to six in the NFL is something to you know be excited about. That's, I mean, that's a beat down. Yeah, it's uh, it is the kind of win you don't get often, and when you do, you should enjoy it. You should, <laughs> especially as a Falcons fan, you should enjoy it. Yep. Uh, next week we will be at home again, hosting the Saints, who will still be without Brew Drees. Uh, mm -hmm. They will still be starting, presumably, Taysom Hill, assuming uh, he makes it out of the Denver game alive. Um, but yeah, we'll be back here next week to recap that game. Uh, That's after a throwback game. It, is it? For the Falcons, yeah. We're in the, we're in the uh, black throwback. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so something else to tune Some, in for. There's one thing to look uh, forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Aside from Evan, Hill throwing up uh, th or running three touchdowns and zero passing. Yeah, we're not looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on. Um, you can find me at Twitter. Um, I'm at Evan Birchfield. Also on thefalcolic.com. Um, usually doing the injury reports throughout the week. Um, you know, make sure you monitor them. Don't, don't really pay attention to Wednesday or whatever, but like Thursday and Friday are key because that gives us the best kind of insight into what's going to happen, you know, over the weekend. Cause we saw it with Todd Gurley. Uh, we saw it with Julio Jones, like it was kind of headed in that direction. Um, and if you paid attention to it, you would have seen, you know, Allison um, dealing with an illness and kind of not been surprised today. Like why is Allison not out there? Well, he's been dealing with an illness. So. Yep, exactly. As for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Uh, updates on this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.